welcome to the GazetteNet UMass Sports Podcast. I'm Kyle Grabowski, and back with me from what has to start feeling like deja vu is Matt Vautour. Matt, is, are these recurring issues with the UMass football team and these losses, or is, has it been a choose-your-own-adventure each week? Well, some of it's been recurring. The biggest recurring thing is not being able to, to finish and not handling things well when, when, when momentum has gone their way. Uh, from a technical standpoint, the offensive line play has been, has been problematic for, for UMass. For the second straight week, Andrew Ford got sacked eight times, and that's, it's hard to keep a quarterback, uh, hard to keep a quarterback you know, on his feet or alive when you, get, when you get hit that often. So um, he, uh, that certainly hurt against Temple. The, uh, the deja vu really was that UMass's kicking problems, which have, have really have hurt them in every year as an FBS program uh, returned in, in loud fashion on, on Friday night when Michael uh, redshirt freshman Michael Schreiner missed three field goals. UMass lost the game by eight points. Uh, you, don't, you, know, you don't need to count your fingers to know that three field goals would have been nine points and perhaps a victory. Uh, UMass has been good enough to win at least three of their four games. So to be 0-4 at this point is, is, uh, has got to be pretty disheartening, especially with a, with a huge you know, a game against a name-brand opponent like Tennessee coming up. So it seems like even though Ford is getting hammered, it seems like he's really standing in there and kind of giving them a shot to win every week. Yeah, he, he's played well he, and, and, and hasn't, hasn't thrown interceptions. He's, um, he's, he had a, hit a, a costly fumble um, against Temple in the, right before halftime. But for the most part, as a passer, he, he's been good, especially given that Adam Brenneman has been less than, less than 100%. Um, he's, he's been able to find success in other ways. So that's sort of been the last the question of the last couple of weeks is how healthy is Brandon? Have you gotten any indication? He he'll be a he's not technically a game time decision this week. It'll be a Thursday night question for for him um, whether or not he plays. But there's no media access after that point, so uh, might not know publicly whether Adam Brenneman is going to play or not until uh, until uh, Saturday's you know kickoff at, at at Tennessee at noon. So if Brenneman has been sort of limited or, or a shell of what you would expect from him, who has been stepping up and, and been the receivers that Ford is looking at and who's catching the balls that he's throwing? Andy Isabella has continued to be a, to, to be a pretty reliable option for him. He, um, he, he's continued to have some, some, some big catches. Sadiq Palmer, um, sophomore Sadiq Palmer, had the, his, the best game of his career on Friday at, at Temple in uh, and. And a guy, true freshman named Jesse Britt uh, had his first career touchdown catch, and looks like a guy that's going to help them as well. So, I think those two guys I think are emerging, and I, I think uh, will be important players for UMass going going down the stretch. So you were in Philly, and a little bit before before this game, you were working on a story on UMass lineman Ray Thomas Ishman. What kind of a, a response did that story get? I think I think I think this is a kid that people like. This is a kid that people are, people that know him, are proud of him and, and what he's accomplished. Uh, this this the story was he he uh, he'd been shot five times uh, in high school, came back to not only you know walk and, and but be a Division one athlete, um, but more than that, he's also a kid that uh, that has been you know has really 
uh, embraced his his academics. It has you know the opportunity the he. He's guy body wise could potentially play in the NFL someday if he if he continues to develop. He's a true sophomore right now, um, but he's somebody that recognizes that even if that doesn't happen, if he gets himself a degree, he can put himself in a good situation for for the rest of his life. And uh, he's he, more than almost anyone I've ever interviewed. His his perspective and his sort of ability to self evaluate and things was impressive and and I came away from from writing that story liking him a lot and I you know I I think for anybody that kind of knows the story he's impossible not to root for in life what no matter what he does football wise he's somebody you'd you'd like to see him be successful uh, off the field as well so I think this week we're we're bringing back our interview segment um Matt, who would you talk to this week? I talked to former UMass linebacker Jovan Santos Knox, one of the uh, most well liked players at, at, at UMass uh, in in recent years. Um, Jovan is currently playing linebacker for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the CFL. So we talked about um, kind of what that transition is like. We talked about how the game is different and and, and kind of he, how he's adapted to. Um, to, to playing. All right, we're joined by former UMass linebacker Jovan Santos Knox, a, currently a member of the Winnipeg, Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the CFL. Jovan, thanks a lot for uh, for taking the time. Definitely, thanks for having me. Um, good talking to you. So how's it how's it uh, how's it been up there? Um, you know, it's very uh, I like it a lot. It's exciting. Um, fans are very passionate about the game, so uh, it makes it exciting to uh, suit up every week and uh, get out there. I've, UMass has had some guys that have had some success in the in the CFL over the years, and, and the thing that uh, thing that people always seem to talk about is they're always the level of football, the game itself, is is always kind of better than they expected when they got there. Has that been kind of the same situation for you? Yeah, d- definitely. Um, I didn't know much about the CFL when I was coming up here, but um, when I got up here, I realized you know how competitive it was, um, how you know real and uh, how how much they uh, how much they take it seriously up here. You know, we have you know, a great staff, a great organization. The organization does a lot for the, the players and the community, and the community is very behind us. So um, up here in Winnipeg, football is, like, um, very, very uh, important for the people. So um, they like it a lot, and just the level of play is uh, a lot more uh, competitive than I expected, you know. There's great players up here, um, and, yeah, it's a, it's a really good league. <coughs> How how is how's the how is the game itself different, both rules wise, et cetera? Kind of let let people know a little bit about but uh, about how it's different. Yeah, well the um, the field is actually bigger. It's 110 yards. Um, the goalpost is in front of the uh, the end zone, which is uh, you know is used as a uh, 13th player in the <laughs> field because we we play with 12 out there, which we have an extra player. So um, that's. Uh, that's more on the field stuff. Uh, the rules wise, you got to be a yard and a half off the ball, so it's a little bit different. Um, you got to get adjusted to that. But at the end of the day, it's football, and uh, you know the schemes are very similar. Um, only you know a couple wrinkles here and there. You could uh, be in motion as many guys as you want in motion at once. So as a defender, um, that took a little time to adjust to because uh, you know you're used to you know one guy only being on the move. So there's a lot going on pre-snap. So um, just getting that down and, uh, you know, adjusting to that. But at the end of the day, like I said, it's football. So football is football, and uh, 
Yeah, so we've been playing this our whole lives. It would, it would seem like it would seem like in terms of skill wise for you as somebody for professional was a little bit of an undersized height wise but fast it seemed like that that would kind of fit your fit your skills definitely um you know it's a big field to cover and I feel like I do that well so um you know they have me out there doing multiple things and uh, using my uh, abilities and my spot, my size my speed my length and uh, letting me really uh, prosper out there. For now, for, can I kind of walk a, walk me through a little bit about how uh, how the, how you ended up there? How did how did uh, how did you find it? How did they find you? How how did it come together? Well, I actually drove down to North Carolina and did a uh, uh, open tryout. Spent a hundred dollars um, at the tryout to uh, try out for the team. Um, drove down there with my father and uh, just had a really good day. Um, and a couple weeks later, I got an email. My agent got a call from them, and they wanted to bring me up for training camp. And, and it's tougher for you can only have so many Americans on each roster, right? Right. So um, the the roster is completely split in half. It's um, half Canadians, half international players. Um, anyone outside of Canada is considered an international player. So um, yeah, so it's very competitive and very hard to get into this league um, as an American because you can only take so many, you field so many. And it looked like from from the from some of the things that I read, it, it seems like you, you've kind of uh, your role has grown as the season has gone on. Is is is, is it something you, you played well early and kind of built into that? Yeah, you know, um, you know, they started me out on special teams, and you know that I was able to get the game under my belt. Um, you know, being out a year and stuff like that, you know, it took time. Uh, just being in there, special teams, uh, got me adjusted a lot. And then, um, you know, some injuries went down, and I just had to step up and. Um, that's how that's how it came out. Um, they started increasing my role a lot more, and it was it was good. Do you find yourself now, as as you spend time in Winnipeg, do people recognize you? Oh uh, yeah, here and there. Like I said, they're very passionate about their fans. So, um, I mean, about their players. The fans are very fast, uh, passionate about us. So, um, they know their players. Um, we had a fan appreciation day the other day, and people have uh, you know photo, uh, printed out photographs and cards and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Um, Having people know who you are and uh, recognize you out there. Hey, I was gonna say, did that take some? Did that take some getting used to in a good way? That to uh, to be somebody that that's uh, that's a little bit of a celebrity. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. And um, you know, just everyone's very friendly up here too in Canada. So um, it's you know, people are interact with people a lot, and you know, you being a bomber player, um, it makes their day when they run into you. So being able to uh, you know make them happy is always good. You like that aspect of it, and just in general, it's, you're, you're pretty uh, you're a pretty outgoing guy. Oh yeah, so you know you know me, you know how I was back at UMass. Um, I'm a friendly guy, like everyone. I'm approachable. Everyone likes to um, talk to me, and you know communicate. I'm a good communicator, so I'm an outgoing guy, as you say. And uh, yeah, so it, it was the adjustment wasn't that hard. So for you now, you, you're uh, you're this season is uh, is is winding down. Is is this something uh, you could see yourself doing this? You could see yourself doing this for a while. I definitely, you know, I want to, you know, become as good as I can, and you know, maximize my talent. So um, I my goal my goal is just get better each and every game, each and every year, and um, see how long it can take me and how long I can go keep doing this. Um, you know, I love to play as long as possible. So. Yes, I definitely can see myself, you know, playing for a long time. Now, to talk, talk about kind of what the uh, sort of the 
the legend of the Grey Cup up there and just kind of what that means to people. And, and I, I, people, people down here, I think, know the name of the trophy, but, but, but it, really after the Stanley Cup, it, it's kind of the, uh, it's a pretty coveted prize in Canada. Yeah, so like the Grey Cup, you know, we've watched probably one of the oldest leagues in the world. So the Grey Cup is a very, very uh, important thing to this league. Uh, we have, you know, it's everything to the to the to the players, the fans, and the organization. You know, you want to win, and you know, we put ourselves in good position to you know compete for it. And like you said, it's it's a it's a great honor to to get the Great Cup and win the Great Cup. So uh, it, people are very passionate about it. We are and. It's a very uh, historic trophy. You and uh, Mark and Michelle in, in the league as well. Have you guys sort of been in touch uh, up there, kind of sharing your uh, respective experiences? Yeah, we have definitely. Uh, you know, we, we, we talk back and forth, text every now and then, and uh, just communicate about how our seasons are going. And he's having a great job over there in Calgary. They're having a great season as well. So um, it's cool having one of your brothers in the league with you and, uh, you know, being able to have that connection. Um, we played them the last game of the season. So I look forward to uh, you know seeing him out there. Is it is it uh, is it something? I mean, I know salaries wise, it's not what what uh, what people think of when they think of an NFL salary, but but it's a pretty. It seems like it's a uh, it's a pretty good living, pretty good pretty good uh, lifestyle for you. Um yeah, definitely. You know, you're you're doing what you love, and you you know you're getting paid for your passion. And the greatest thing about it, you know, it's, you look at it, it's half the year. So you're getting your full salary in half the year, which is uh you know, a, a really good thing, and, uh, you know, got to be appreciative of that, and it's definitely, uh, you know, nice to have. And, yeah, so I think that, um, you know, sure. definitely, see, yeah. How, for, for you, uh, for you, how, how do you spend, how are you going to spend this, the, the other half of the year? How do you, how do you is it just mostly training I, at that I, point? I, yeah, definitely train. I come back home and uh, train. I have a facility back home that I, Train that, so uh, I look forward to doing that. Definitely. For, now, you you had talked about wanting to uh, wanting to get into coaching um, after your playing career is over. Is is in a in a way is, is sort of seeing the, the the strategies and the philosophies and things they use in the CFL. Are there things that you can sort of mentally put in the back of your mind that you that you'd like to uh, like to use somewhere down the line in, in your own co- if, if in your own coaching career? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, every day I feel like, you know, I'm getting smarter out there on the field. I'm learning the game a lot more. Um, you know, it's becoming an everyday thing for me. So um, just having that, you know, coaching from another higher level and uh, having those coaches, um, players that I play with um, who've been in the league and stuff, giving me different knowledge and tips and stuff, I feel like all that knowledge is, you know, so good and so uh, so good to have just not only for, you know, me as a player but me down the road want to be a coach or something and get into coaching um, which I would love to do. How's Winnipeg as a city, Beth? I think uh, I think most people kind of aware that that it, that it exists but don't know too much about it. How, how is it as a uh, location to be? Yeah, you know, it's in central Canada, so uh, it's in the middle of the country. Um, it's a great city, like I said. Uh, the fans are really good out here. The people are good out here. The food's good out here. It's a very diverse city. Um, and it's bigger than most people, most people think. Um, Kind of think, oh, it's just in the middle, uh, middle of Canada, which is middle of nowhere. But it's actually a you know really big city and um, good people. Like I said, a um, lot to do out here, so um, it's a good city overall. Yeah, and kind of gotten gave, has it been kind of fun to kind of see a lot of Canada as as uh, as you've moved around there. 
Definitely. Um, you know, traveling every week and going to different cities, um, you know, just being in another country and seeing, like, how different it is. Um, you go to Montreal, you know, there's a heavy French influence there. And hearing them and seeing them, um, you know, just that culture is was, you know, really cool. And then, you know, going to the state capital of Ottawa, seeing the parliament, different things like that was just a, a great experience and things like, you know, you would never see yourself doing. And then, you know, one day you just realize, you know, I'm here. It's pretty cool. Nice. When when uh, when time is allowed, you keep track of uh, you keep track of UMass. I definitely do. Um, actually, uh, log into their live streaming all the time when I get a chance. And um, you know, guys look good out there. You know, they're working hard, and I know that um, you know once they get a win under their belt, um, things will go uphill from there. Um, coach Whip, you know, he's a great coach, so I know he'll have them ready for the rest of the season. Is that is that do you, do you find that the uh, the American guys on the, on on your roster they, they kind of talk a lot about about a lot about their uh, alma maters and who they're playing on on each Saturday? Is there kind of a uh, little camaraderie in that respect? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we all follow our teams back home, um, you know, and it's it's the pride you have in your in your college, you know. So you know, everyone knows I'm on, I went to UMass. I, I let it be known because you know I am proud and happy where I went because you know I, I've learned. Mm, got so much out of it experiences you can't trade in so it was um it definitely is funny though seeing all the different schools that are in our uh, in our uh, locker room nice all right well Jovan, thanks a thanks a ton for uh for doing this uh good luck no, with no problem. you guys the rest of the way thank you man i really appreciate it and now we go from knox to knoxville where UMass and you yourself will be heading this saturday for UMass's game against tennessee Tennessee is coming off a really shocking loss. The Hail Mary against Florida. Um, they've they took overtime, I think, to beat Georgia Tech and crush Indiana State. Matt, is this the is this the week for you, Matt? Do they go down to SEC country and knock off a, a national power? I'm certainly not going to predict that. Uh, but the what UMass has done on several occasions against big time opponents is. They stay competitive into the second half and haven't been able to finish. They did that at South Carolina last year. They did that against um, they did that against Mississippi State at home. They did that uh, against Van at Vanderbilt um, uh, the, two years ago. I think UMass has, has shown an ability to get up for these games, stay competitive in these games against teams that probably aren't, you know the. They certainly didn't. Tennessee certainly does not have UMass circled on its schedule. So certainly it, not with Georgia next week. No, nor with Florida last week. So it, it, this is a this is a game that Tennessee could could overlook. But certainly UMass has not done enough or accomplished enough uh, to to look at it and say this is a, an an upset waiting to happen. UMass would have to uh, would have to take significant steps forward in, in a couple of areas. Well, and the. Number one threat they're going to have to deal with is Tennessee running back John Kelly, who at the moment is leading the SEC with 349 yards, which doesn't mean a ton because they haven't played conference games yet, but they're through three games. That's that's a solid clip with, with five touchdowns, and he's also a good receiver. He's their second leading receiver. Um, how has the what, – what stage is the UMass defense in? Because you'd think that's really the way that they would be able to stay in this game is if they make it kind of low scoring and then capitalize on some – Plays. UMass's UMass defense has UMass's defense has been better 
the last two weeks than it was the first two weeks of the season. Uh, they did a nice job against Raquel Armstead of Temple last week. If you take out uh, one early long run, his, his numbers were, were very pedestrian. Um, he did a decent job containing Old Dominion's running game. Um, certainly they have to avoid a big play, and, and, and you're right on Kelly that, that he, he's a guy that kind of everything runs through him. If, if he's on his game, everybody else can do with what they're doing better. I, I saw this week where, uh, where Butch Jones referred to him as the heart and soul of that Tennessee football team, and he, he's a guy that, uh, that if UMass can, can control him, you can hope that that, uh, that there's some opportunities to, to make some, some plays in other places to, to keep the game close. Well, that Neyland Stadium, Neyland Stadium is famous for being one of the highest capacity stadiums in the country. Have you ever been to a game with that many people before? I have. I have. This will actually be third on, on, on my list. I've been to both Michigan and Penn State. Michigan's the biggest stadium in the country. Penn State's number two. Uh, Neyland Stadium is, is number five. So, yes, uh, this I, I've been to, I've seen a lot before. Uh, I'm curious to see how it. it, it it's interesting because this will sound funny to say, hundred thousand people doesn't sound the same in every place. They were much louder at Penn State than they were at Michigan. Michigan, for as big as it is, isn't great at holding the sound in. Uh, and I wasn't at Wisconsin. Uh, my son was being born when uh, right right around that time, but. Um, when UMass played at Wisconsin, that was the one that people talk about as, as the loudest. So I'll be curious to see how, uh, how Tennessee stacks up and curious to see the checkerboard end zones, et cetera. Right, well, Matt, what have, uh, what have you got going on this week? Anything you're working on leading into Tennessee? Just be previews now for, uh, for, for UMass Tennessee, and then I'm heading down there Friday to uh, certainly check out and see what, uh, how that atmosphere stacks, stacks up. When you think of college football and, and – Places to, to see games and, and play games, that, that's one of the, uh, the spots people think about. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to experiencing it firsthand. Well, if people want to live vicariously and experience that vicariously through you and probably your Twitter account, how would they do that? Uh, well, my Twitter account is at Matt Votor, D-H-G, that's V-A-U-T-O-U-R. And I'm going to plug my Instagram account, which is the same uh, for that one, too, because on, on a... Uh, on a road game, I'm certainly more likely to take some pictures of uh, of things that kind of. Uh, I'll be trying to find some things that will capture the Tennessee experience. So I'll probably post some of those to to uh, to Twitter and certainly to to Instagram. Um, so your my Instagram account in general is is things that I notice at UMass games and bizarre vanity plates, which is so. Your those those two, if either of those two things appeal to you, that it's uh, you can certainly follow me. The bizarre vanity plates are the highlight of your Instagram <laughs> for me, certainly. I was actually going to mention that if you didn't. Um, and if this podcast has excited you and made you want to hear more, you can subscribe to us both in the iTunes podcast app and on Google Play under the Gazette Sports Podcast. We're on gazettenet.com as well as SoundCloud. Sounds good. See you next week.